Welcome to episode three of the Superior Spider Talk podcast. I'm Dan Gavazdin from GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio from the Chasing Amazing blog, which documents my quest to collect every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Thanks for joining us for the third Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. And whenever you hear this sound, check your iPhone, iPod, or player for a new photo or link to enhance your listening experience. You can email us any comments or questions you have regarding this podcast to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you do, please rate and review us, and we'll read it on the show. Well, Dan, three episodes into Superior Spider Talk, and we already have our first first. This is the inaugural Superior Spider Talk and Amazing Friends podcast. Woo! I know. Like, what could this mean? Firestar well, and Iceman. Yes, it's Marvel Team Up, sort of. These episodes, which will come out periodically in between our standard review-centric episodes, will feature a special guest. Ideally, another blogger or someone from the comic book industry, such as writers, artists, letterers, and so on. Or I guess, you know siblings and pets if we're really desperate for some <laughs> some good spider-man talk um but we got a really good guest for our first inaugural spider friends podcast uh joining us is tyler barless a writer for spiderfan.org arguably one of the best spider-man fan sites on the internet and certainly one of the longest continually running spidey sites thanks for having me on <laughs> Well, yeah, I, you know, and everything going well right for you out there? You, you, uh, you, everyone's safe and sound for you? Well, yeah, in my neck of the woods, there's a lot of really bad stuff going on in Moore, Oklahoma right now. I am from Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which is a good couple hundred miles away from where the big tornadoes hit earlier today. But um, really awful stuff going on in Moore, so um, thoughts and prayers with the people down there. Absolutely. Well, Tyler, thanks again for, for taking the time out and joining us. And, and personally speaking, I, I've been a reader of Spider-Fan for probably the better part of a decade, which I know still makes me, what, about 10 years late uh, to the party for when this site started. But personally, I've always appreciated how fair and balanced Spider-Fan's reviews are um, and, and just how the site's writers have always historically looked for the positive in the Spidey comics while also unleashing some insightful, constructive criticism that maintains their credibility. Um, so, and Tyler, I know you've contributed to that with some of your reviews. Um, you know, it's not that you guys are, you know, overly effusive either, but it's just a nice balance. And it's something I know with my own writing, I aspire uh, to, to emulate. There are a lot of times when I'm, especially when I'm writing about an older arc, I will uh, check out um, Spider Fan and just be like, "All right, am I am I am I off base in these thoughts? Am I am I am I you know am I thinking in some kind of wildly divergent direction?" And you know, Spider Fan has kind of always grounded me in uh, how I construct some of my own right my own writing. Yeah, yeah, and without it, I don't think I'd be able to continue my collection in the way that I that I have. It's really been an incredibly useful uh, device. Well, thanks, uh, guys. Those are awesome comments. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, we're kind of curious about you and your role, um, you know, at Spider Fan. And um, so, how long have you been writing for Spider Fan, and uh, how did you come to join up with the site? Well, I've only been writing for Spider Fan for a little over a year, which, compared to some of the people that have been there, is not very long at all. Um, I basically begged to become part of Spider Fan. 
I actually, I mean, I've been reading the site for a very long time, uh, just a very long time. The site actually was originally founded in 92, which I actually didn't know the internet was that old. And, <laughs> and so it's very impressive. Um, but as soon as I started collecting Spider-Man comics at a young age, I came across Spider-Fan and used it as a template um, for my young collection at the time. Um, I originally wanted to write for Spider-Fan a while back, I guess. It had always been something that I'd wanted to do. And so probably about three years ago, I actually sent an email um, just trying to become a writer there. And what I saw was these huge databases just full of all these comics. And a lot of them, especially uh, pre-90s, between like the 70s and 80s period, which is one of my favorite periods as far as Spider-Man goes, there was a lot of issues that hadn't been reviewed. And I just thought that I could help out and get reviews for some of these arcs that I really loved from some of those time periods. But I never got a response um, when I originally emailed. And so I emailed again. I think I think three times I emailed uh, over like a three-year period. And then recently, about a year ago, I just decided, you know what, this is something I really want to do. I think I'm at a point where I really know a lot about comics and Spider-Man. And so this is definitely something that I want to do. And so I basically emailed a number of people on the website to try to get some sort of response. And I friendly did. And uh, they had me send in a like a mock review and the rest is history. You know, I could totally understand where you're coming from with the the, the begging for, uh, aspect of it. I actually, when I had started Chasing Amazing in, in 2011, I had uh, sent spider fan a couple of emails asking if there was any way that they could link to it and you know i didn't hear anything for a couple of months and i you know really kind of gave up on that and you know just kept trying to do my own thing and then um randomly like one day i got an email from i think it was your webmaster i'm i, I the name is escaping right me probably right now Jonathan. probably that that sounds familiar and he was like, "Oh, sorry for not responding to you in three months, but we like your site, and we're gonna we're, we don't usually do links, but we're gonna do that for this." And and you know, it just kind of it felt very validating because, and you know, I'm curious what your your thoughts of this. I've always regarded Spider Fan as kind of this uh, major uh, website with some clout within the industry. It just felt like whatever was said on that site mattered to some degree. So, I mean, to be part of that, how how is that for you to to feel that you know people might actually care what you say about certain comics. It's it's actually kind of a dream come true, which probably sounds weird that writing for a non-profit Spider-Man website, fan site, is, is a dream of mine. But actually, I mean, to be honest, I've been reading this website since I was like 10 years old. Um, and so, I mean, really, it is kind of a dream. I mean, it's I guess it's if I would have got to write for him when I was 13 years old have been a bigger dream but it's it's a big deal and it is like a historic website just about anyone in the industry um all the diehard spider-man fans they all know about this website i mean it's almost like a common link between all the the big time spider-man fans i mean it's just kind of cool i'll meet people at a local comic book shop and you know they'll say different things about spider fan i'm like hey man i i write for them and it's just you gotta like go to a restaurant and like someone comes up and you're like you're the guy from that site (laughs) ask my autograph yeah that happens all the time i can barely go out in public anymore it's it's (laughs) kind of a bad deal but hey mark where is the just just a little bit off topic just a tiny bit off topic where did jonathan put a link to your site at i've never come across that um there there is a tab on the front page for links and that is where um, you can find, 
Yeah, it's it's my site, like one other site, and then a couple others, and they and you know and they were very upfront with me when they emailed me back saying we don't normally do this, and I think it even says it on the page. We don't normally link to things unless it's a well maintained, professional looking site. Which then that was before my site was designed like really well designed. So the fact that they thought it looked designed well, kind of. Although I know Dan, you like the pictures. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, no, it was it was it was it was, was kind of like all right. This is this is this is cool. I mean, I, I I had gotten a couple other links by that point to a couple other sites, but Spider the Spiderfan link felt very validating for me because I mean it really uh, is one of the few Spidey centric sites out there that uh, that I, that have really come to respect in terms of of, of the content out there. Um, besides begging and borrowing, are there any other tips of being a contributor to Spiderfan Tyler? Like, do you have uh, to submit any, like, works and stuff? Well, I originally sent him some of my past works, but I think really what he judged it on was a review that I had written up. He just told me to write a review of a Spider-Man issue because that's what a position I was applying, applying for was as a reviewer of basically back issues is what I like to do and what I intended to do. And so I just wrote up a review of an early spectacular issue. And sent it to him, and basically he just said, uh, it's, it's great, you're hired. So, or not really hired, I don't get paid, but you're part of the <laughs> You're contributing. <laughs> and if, if, you, if you want to contribute, if, if I have any advice, it's to be persistent, because you might feel like you're slighted after months when Jonathan doesn't write you back, but really he, he is so far backlogged on his emails that it literally takes him months to get to them. Can you tell us a bit about um, – I guess Jonathan is the creator of the site. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Um, he's a mysterious figure. Um, not really. He's from New Zealand. Wow. He started the site all by himself. Um, the site back in 1992, he originally started it as the Marvel online quiz page and then a year later turned it into the unofficial Spider-Man homepage. And I mean the internet was different back then. It was just – you didn't have these blog-centric websites like you have now, and so the, the site looked a lot different. I mean I didn't visit it in the early 90s, but by the late 90s I did, and it looked a lot different than it does now. Um, a lot of changes have taken place, but uh, Jonathan puts – he is the webmaster. He does just about everything behind the scenes on SpiderFan. I mean he's the, the heart and soul of this website. And so a lot, a lot of respect for Jonathan, but yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he doesn't do a lot of writing. He mainly – does a lot of stuff with the website and he gets tons and tons of emails apparently because he is way backlogged. I mean, we have a running, um, email deal where you email to one address and everyone on the, the mailing list gets it. And we kind of talk back and forth through that. And all the times he'll be bringing back subjects that we talked about like six months ago. And he'll just, <laughs> he'll add to the conversation like way after the fact and so he's way behind on his email. So if people do want to contribute to Spider Fan, and I'm sure we could use more contributors, um, just be persistent. He's and, about to get further backlogged after. Yeah, after yeah, he yeah. More for you, Jonathan, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> and and are the gaps in reviews typically the like you said the 70s and 80s stuff mainly like kind of Bronze Age? Uh, yeah, typically because the website really started doing reviews on a monthly basis in the mid 90s. So everything from about the mid 90s forward is generally, I mean, there are some gaps in there, but generally has a review written for it. And then we have um, at least one reviewer. There's a couple of reviewers, but at least one reviewer. Um, and hopefully I get this name right. If Al listens to this, I'm sorry if I butcher your name, but Al Swordsma is like our resident historian. 
And uh, he actually, this was something that I was going to talk about later, but uh, he has a, uh, a a running series in the uh, Spider Fan that he's been doing for for years, actually, where he's his attempt is to cover every single Spider-Man appearance, to have a review for every single Spider-Man appearance from Amazing Fantasy 15 all the way up to Amazing Spider-Man number 100. And so, Mm. uh, kind of impressive. So he kind of has tabs on a lot of the Golden Age stuff. And so what really gets kind of lost is the 70s and 80s stuff. And so that's kind of stuff that I was kind of wanting to fill in. And that's the 80s is my favorite Spider-Man period. So I'm kind of excited to tackle some of those old Roger Stern issues and... Peter David and Spectacular, and I mean, there's just a lot of great stuff that was going on in the '80s as far as Spider-Man is concerned. Do you have a favorite review that you've uh, written? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love I, I them all, like, or I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was asked when I first started to do the um, uh, Spectacular, like the issues leading up to Spectacular Spider-Man number 100, which is the the origin of the Spot. Yeah, which huh. is so ridiculous that it's that it's it's funny, and uh, I I think I wrote a little bit too much on Spectacular Number One Hundred just because it's kind of an oversized issue, and it's probably so long that people probably generally don't even want to read it. But I thought I did a pretty good job on that one. <laughs> All right, that's a good answer. It's just kind of tongue in cheek humor, I guess, a little bit with some of that stuff, just because the spot itself was kind of tongue-in-cheek humor it, it seems like to me i mean i don't know what was going through al milgram's mind when he created this character but i know he he kind of got a darker edge later in life but uh his original appearance was 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 pretty ridiculous so yeah are there any like ground rules for writing a review because there, there's a really great consistency across the site not only in like terms of how a review is written but also like like uh the character of the reviews they're they're typically like like uh mark was praising earlier fairly positive and and they look for like um the positive things instead of being kind of bogged down in fan criticism um are there any rules that are put forward not as far as tone or anything um no (laughs) i mean if you look back on some of the older reviews i mean some of them are pretty harsh i mean and rightfully so and then i think some of them are overly optimistic and looking for good things where there's some really arcs that just don't deserve to be i mean it's just bad writing sometimes and so i don't it's just from person to person i know that um a lot of people that do write for this website I, I, there are some exceptions but the majority of people seem to be fairly optimistic i mean the majority just gonna bring superior spider-man into this just the majority of people writing for spider-fan or that at least are vocal and share to the conversation seem to be enjoying superior Spider-Man. And so I just think that most of the writers that we have now, and I think most of the writers that Spider-Fan has had over the years are generally optimistic, looking for the good things. I mean, they're Spider-Man fans. And so we can be, you know, bitter whenever you're just absolutely awful at what you do. And you're just telling an absolutely awful storyline. I mean, there are definitely some writers that, are just just live in infamy as far as Spider Man Spider fan writers go, but uh, I mean a lot of the fans are enjoying this superior arc and just in general are optimistic when it comes to Spider Man in general. I mean it's funny I was looking at some of the uh, Clone Saga uh, issues that I, I, I'm guessing were reviewed in real time because we're talking ninety five you know ninety four ninety five ninety six yeah yeah um, they were. 
And, and, you know, not, not that these were five star reviews, but I mean, you know, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, full disclosure here. I mean, these were, these were the episodes, the episodes, the issues that kind of drove me out of, of comics for a period. Cause I just couldn't, I just couldn't bear it. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, 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 the actual plot. I just felt that the, the, the issues were not well done. Um, and I was getting frustrated that I was spending all this money on five or six titles chasing this one story around. And, um, and the reviews on Spider Fan are, are, I mean, you know, it's kind of, well, let's see where this goes. Oh, they brought Norman Osborn back. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> which, um, I, which I know we'll be talking about a little later too. But I, it's, 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 it's like the stuff that, like, even like looking back now, I still kind of bang my head against the wall. Um, I, I just, I, I, I appreciate the fact that they're like, yeah, let, let's, let's wait and see. <laughs> well. Instead, I don't know. I'm kind of a Clone Saga apologist myself. I mean, I thought that originally, I mean, I read them in retrospect, and so I knew that it was going to end horribly, and so I wasn't... Uh, I mean, I kind of read the end of it when I was a kid and just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I, and I just remember picking up a comic book where Spider-Man had blonde hair, and I was extremely confused whenever <laughs> I was 10 years old. But after like rereading them again, it's, it starts off okay. I mean, it could have been good. And it just, it just dragged on, and then they just had a cop-out ending. And so I don't know how we necessarily got on the Clone Saga, but actually I think the Clone Saga gets a, a horrible rap because of how it ended, and rightfully so. But it could have been okay. <laughs> I, I still look back at certain, certain parts of the Clone Saga and think it's okay. I, I, I enjoy certain parts of the Clone Saga. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like I said, it's it's you know, it's when you're when you're doing it in real time. And, and like I said, I mean, for me, one of the biggest issues and, and maybe this was even more of a byproduct of just comic book comic books in the 90s, especially Marvel. Um, I mean, I just remember like, you know, going to the local comic book shop and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a teenager at this point. So I, I have someone hauling hauling my ass over to the comic book shop and. You know, I'm going there every week, and it's like, oh wait, no, this 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 week it's the they got a hollow disc on the cover, so I got to get out my 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 two my two fifty instead of my one fifty, and oh oh you know now now because we we we're gonna do the Scarlet Spider series, and and then you know we're rena- and, and it's just like it I I couldn't I couldn't deal with it anymore. I'm like following this all around. The story was taking turns from you know that I wasn't really like enamored with, and I was like, you know what, uh, uh, like. Why, why am I putting all this time into it? But probably if, you know, looking back, especially with like the Marvel U app and stuff like that, you know, a lot of these issues are, are now just, you know, you know, swipe of the finger away. And I probably would read them with a little more enjoyment now that it's not like this, like ongoing, like week after week after week after week. And, you know, it's, it's the hollow full, it's the hologram, it's the foil embossed, it's the, it's the die cut cover. And I mean, like enough was enough. It just, I just got overwhelming. Yeah, I don't blame you. I, I agree with all that. I mean, a lot of gimmicks, and you you write your gimmick column about comic books, and I'm sure you could just feast on the Clone Saga. But. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But 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 you know, just to keep things streamlined a little bit, um, I did want to ask you. Um, I know that that Spider Fan has been involved with some pretty high profile stuff. Uh, I guess um, you even talked about it on the site in terms of some storyline developments in 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 Spidey history. Can can you share a couple of those stories with us? Um, yeah, um, one instance in particular that I know of, and obviously I've only been with the site for about a year, and so everything I have is information handed down for me from a lot of our veteran writers. Um, but one thing in particular was Mark 
Millar's um, Marvel Knights Spider-Man series in which he came to some of our writers on Spider-Fan and uh, specifically asked a couple of the writers to check over the scripts that he had written for the series to check for minor continuity issues just to make sure everything was, was kosher as, as far as continuity goes. Did he not and trust so, his editor or something? Man, I don't know. I, that, that's as much as – I mean there's more to the story that I'm going to continue. But uh, as far as not trusting his editors, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean this was a, a kind of a, a strange time. And Marvel Comics, from what I'm to understand, I recently read the untold stories of Marvel Comics or whatever. And from what I was – have you guys read that? Just a little off I have. Topic. Yeah. That's I, a good book. I that's own really, it and I have to read it. Really good book. I really recommend it, Dan. But uh, one of the things he talks about is they were in Dire Straits and so they you know, brought in a, a, a new team, the Marvel Knights team, that was supposed to be kind of an edgier um, take, just, just kind of a different, more modern take on Marvel comics and they did, I don't remember how many different books they had in the Marvel Knights line. I know for sure the ones that I own are uh, Daredevil and Spider-Man. I'm not sure what else there was, but anyway, I kind of, what it sounded like as far as the book goes is that regular editorial and the Marvel Knights guys were like, they didn't even work together. And it was like two separate entities, like almost two separate comic companies. And so um, maybe he wanted to go to an outside source to do continuity and not trust the Marvel editors. I don't know. Hmm. But anyway, that's just a thought. I mean, that's that's pure speculation. Um, this other stuff is fact. Um, one of the really cool things, um, what happened as 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 far as Spider Fan being involved with the Marvel Knight Spider Man, is that um, the new Venom, which was uh, the Fortunato guy who was Venom very shortly in the Marvel Knights. Um, Millar wanted to find someone to kill off to show how much of a murderous badass this guy was, I guess. And so he basically asked the current writers at Spider-Fan at the time to pick someone from Spider-Man's past, um, from earlier issues, that they could kill off. That obviously wasn't involved with any type of current storyline that was going on or anything. And so all the Spider-Fan writers got together and talked it over, and they all decided on Seymour which, if you're not familiar with Seymour, he was kind of the redheaded bully friend of Flash Thompson back in, like, the old Ditko comics. I mean, at the very start of Spider-Man. But he hadn't really been seen for years and years and years. And so Millar picked Seymour, and in uh, Marvel Knights uh, Spider-Man number 7, Venom snapped his neck. And that's the story of how Spider-Fan um, picked a classic character to die in the Spider-Man comics. You couldn't have picked Aunt May? No, kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> what an honor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. And also, um, one other thing, as far as that story goes, is that in the original scripts, they, which um, um, some of the letterheads and stuff were, were shared with us, is that um, Millar initially intended to kill off Eddie Brock in the Marvel Knight series. And uh, Marvel Editorial stepped in and shot it down. So that's another little interesting fact. And a, and a legion of symbiote um, worshippers would have just been so angry. <laughs> He'd have been back, but uh, still, kind of a, kind of some neat trivia. That's pretty cool. Do you think? Yeah, it's just cool that a fan site, uh, you know, it has, has so much respect in the industry that an actual well-respected writer like Millar would would come to us and ask or come to spider fan and ask for just minor thing like continuity, you know, just to try to improve his series. And I mean, he knew where to come. He knew where basically the foremost, you know, knowledgeable Spider-Man fans in 
the world probably contribute as well as long as far as on the internet. Do you think something like this could happen again now that social media has made everything tighter today between fans and creators? Like, do you think that that relationship between a fan site and a creator could still exist? I think what we want to know is can Chasing Amazing ever be asked by Dan Slott for input? No. <laughs> Maybe you do. No, sorry. <laughs> as, as far as Dan Slott, no. I, I don't think so. Um, I think he kind of prides himself in being this huge continuity buff. I don't think he would ever ask anybody a single thing. I mean, constantly he's just showing to us how much he knows about Spider-Man's past and just some of the most obscure things. Um, as recently as Superior Number 9, where he brings up um, Peter Palmer and uh, Nick Katzenberg, and just some of these small things from Spider-Man's past that he brings up. I mean, I don't think Slot would ever ask us as far as continuity goes, or, or any fan page in general. Maybe other writers, I don't know. Um, the only other Spider-Man writer there is right now is Chris Yost, and he doesn't really seem to I don't know, reach out to fans like Slot does. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't feed the trolls like Slot does. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it, it just kind of curious because when, 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 I mean, obviously, in, even in, in 2004 with, with Marvel Knights, you didn't have Twitter. You didn't have – I mean, maybe we had Facebook. I don't even know. I wasn't on it. So if, it, if I wasn't on it, it – Okay. It didn't exist if I don't know about it. Um, I don't even know. I didn't even know what the internet was until ten years ago. No, um, so, um, it, it, you know, and and there, like you said, you do see back and forth with with creators and fans. But like, I mean, this idea of like you said, just kind of reaching out almost in confidence. I think that that might be where it it, it just can't happen anymore. Is like because I'm assuming when this was happening with Millar, that this wasn't like a big public thing, right? I mean. <laughs> You know, Marvel wasn't putting out press releases saying creative team reaches out to fan site for input on who gets killed. No, we didn't get a thank you in the comic or anything. So. No, no. So it was, yeah. It was something I didn't know about until I joined the team. And then I was just actually kind of snooping around the site. And I'm like, who is Seymour O'Reilly? And I clicked on it and I saw the whole story. I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's really neat. And so um, recently um, it just became a subject on our little mailing list and – it's just we, we I got a little more information about it, and it just seemed like such a neat thing. I mean, it's just another one of the reasons why it's so cool to be a part of this website is that you know it actually has played a part in Spider-Man's continuity. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you 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 had mentioned slot and feeding the trolls, and we also were talking about the Clone Saga and some superior stuff. So I, I was just curious, you know, again, given Spider fans' history and the scope of the site, um, you know, the site has looked. Uh, has reviewed actively in real time a lot of tumultuous periods for Spider-Man and all this various comic book series. So do you get a sense, uh, nine issues in, um, it might even be ten, it'll probably be ten issues uh, by the time you guys listen to this out there in podcast land, uh, do you get the sense that the Superior Spider era will be something that we that is going to be looked back on with fondness, m- morbid curiosity? I mean, you know, is the future... Uh, bloggers of the next generation going to look back on these comics like I do on the on the Clone Saga and some stuff in the Bronze Age. Like, what were they thinking? Or, or I mean, what what's the sense from you, and what's the sense from others who work for the site? I think it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I think it's a really good question. I think it's hard to answer right now because, like I said earlier, I mean, 
whenever you think of the Superior Saga, which I guess it's probably going to be known as, I don't know, um, it's it's one of, I guess, probably three major status quo changes in Spider-Man's history, and the other two are not looked upon fondly at all. And so, but the other two, I'm talking about probably the Clone Saga and then probably One More Day or probably the other two. Would you agree on that? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe, definitely. I don't think the marriage was like so big that it is considered a huge status quo change. I'd say maybe think, Gwen Stacy's death. Yeah. Yeah. That's more of a, a – a, yeah, I guess you're right. That that would probably be part of it too. And people freaked I, I, out I lo- in. Yeah, I laughed when Jerry Conway tweeted uh, in December that, you know, if they had Twitter when he killed Gwen Stacy, he probably, you know, <laughs> would never be able to go on Twitter again. <laughs> I, I, I've heard the fallout of that was just enormous. So would but, you say that the – like maybe this is going to really uh, come down to how it ends? That's exactly what I'm coming at because I think the Clone Saga, people were – interested, intrigued, thought it was a good idea at the first, at the start, and then it dragged into oblivion and they ended it poorly. And so I think at this point we're probably still on the first stages of Superior, or at least getting into the middle stage maybe now that Ghost Peter is gone or whatnot. And so I think it's hard to judge how we're going to look back at it as a whole being this early in the, the saga as it is. It's, I, I think that unlike the Clone Saga, though, I think Slot has got a beginning, a middle, and an end planned out for this. And so depending on how good the end is, I think is how we're going to look at it in the future. Mark I that, and I have discussed this um, before, but how long do you expect this to last? Initially, I didn't think it was going to last very long, but the, uh, it's, it's played out slowly enough in my mind that I think it's going to last at least through the year. Um, it's it's hard to tell. You can only have a an anti-hero that is basically just a villain for so long before, you know, people want to latch on to a relatable protagonist. And so either something something's going to have to change. And I don't know how this is going to play out. There's just so many, I mean, we've got Spider-Man from the future coming into play. I mean, there's just there's just so many different things that could happen. I don't know when regular Peter's going to come back or I don't know. It may have to be. Maybe Slot doesn't plan on bringing regular Peter back. Maybe after Slot's gone, it's going to have to be another writer to bring Peter back. I mean, we're going to get Peter back at some point. And I figured it was going to be before the new movie came out. I figured they'd want a Peter Parker wearing the costume by the time the new movie came out. So when is that? Next year? Yeah, and that's what they did with Captain America, right? With with <sighs> when they with Steve Rogers and Bucky, right? It was right before the movie that they switched it back. I have no idea. <laughs> I think so, Dan. Do you know? No, I I don't. I, for some reason, I thought Bucky was still Captain America during the movie. Oh, okay. The movie was just – when was that? Two years ago? Yeah. Mm. I thought Bucky – I don't know. I, I'm not huge on current Captain America, so I really could not tell you that. Yeah, no. I mean I, I, I the, the thing that always – and I don't want to say worries me because worries makes it sound like this is something that, that causes me lack of sleep at night. Uh, but the thing that I always think about is, you know, there's there's been such a consensus that oh, Peter will be back by by the movie that I could just see Marvel to kind of mess with us, be like, no, we'll we'll bring him back two months after the movie. How does that sound? You know, like we we, we have confidence in this story, we have confidence in this character, we have confidence in Dan. We'll we'll push past that. So I think I, that's more it. Maybe their confidence in Dan less and less so that narrative people like to buy into that Marvel hates its own fans. So, cells are going to play a part. 
I would think. I mean, we go back to the Clone Saga. They, I, from what I've heard and read, they fully intended Ben Riley to be Spider-Man until cells were so awful whenever Ben Riley was Spider-Man that they had to bring Peter Parker back. And so if cells start to dip because the storyline becomes something that people don't want to read, then maybe they're going to panic and bring Peter back. Well, it'll all be very interesting to see how it plays out. But um, we actually have some questions from you for you from the internet. Um, just know that you can uh, tweet at Mark and I at, at Dan Gavazdin and at Chasing ASM blog on Twitter or send us a question to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com and you can send us questions for our guests and for us. So these are a couple of questions that came from our get or from our email account for you today. Um, so first off, we have Brad who asks, um, of you and of the site, what strategies would you use to get all of the Spideys? I'm assuming he means comics, not clones. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of wondering. That was uh, that's kind of a strange way to put it. Um, as, as far as that's concerned, I'm pretty sure that both Dan and Mark probably have bigger collections than I do. I actually don't have the, the hugest Spider-Man collection, if that's even a word, the biggest Spider-Man collection. Um, Biggerness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, as far as, as collecting amazing, obviously Mark is well documented on some of the steps that he's taken in collecting the amazing series. Um, I actually have geared myself more towards collecting the spectacular series, which I think there are certain times in Spider-Man's, um, eras, different eras in Spider-Man where spectacular was the better book. They had the better writer, sometimes the better artist. And so there were some really good runs in spectacular and the best thing about Spectacular is that you can get the entire run of 260-some issues in the first run really cheap. I mean, there are only a couple different issues that are probably going to cost you anywhere any more than $20. And so maybe you could focus on Spectacular, which is a secondary series, but has some really great story writing, some, just some really good periods where they had some really good writers. Um, Manflow did some great stuff during his four or five years where he was on the book. Stern um, was on the book for about a year before he took over Amazing. Peter David had a really famous run. JMD had two famous runs. There's a lot of good stuff on Spectacular. So that's my advice to you, Brad, is to not chase Amazing and to chase Spectacular. And obviously Mark and I are of a different persuasion. <laughs> um, but um, are there any like features on the site that you think could help someone out in their chase? I know I use a couple of them, but I'm wondering if maybe you could um, – Give us some some ideas. Well, just the comic database. I know a lot of people use the comic database on spiderfan.org to to complete their collection. Um, I loved whenever I was getting my collection together, and I still am getting my collection together, is to just look at some of the issues that I need to fill certain runs. And just now I know what the cover looks like. Um, it's it's just it's great for, for different runs. If you're looking for appearances that aren't in a Spider-Man book um, – you can always go to the mainstream guest appearances page, and we have a pretty good list. I know uh, um, Scott McElroy, uh, a fan of um, this podcast, um, oftentimes helps me out in uh, some of the different appearances that we're missing. But it's a pretty good list of appearances if you're trying to find him in other people's books. One of the so. things that I like to use is the checklist on the site. Um, it's my favorite thing to buy a comic that I don't own and then fill in with a highlighter one of the boxes that uh, I, I just received. And, and watching it fill up over the years has been really satisfying. So I, I would recommend that tool as well. 
Oh man, you I've guys never... are really getting into this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have this little sheet of paper that I would bring along the comic book shows with all the issues I was missing and, you know, with a pen and, you know, I would walk around from table to table and when I would grab stuff, I would cross things off. And of course the, the, the salespeople would always be like, what's that? I'm like, Oh, that's just my, my list. And they're looking at the list. Like, wait, these are the ones you have or the ones you're missing. I said missing. And they're still like, wow, that's not a lot. I'm like, no, <laughs> but I, I should use the checklist. That's, that's, that's a good, you know, I've never checklist. I, I actually, I never, I didn't, I didn't even know that checklist existed. And I write for the site. So you should I'll- check it out. It's pretty great. <laughs> Mine's like turning into pulp because I've loved it to death. But uh, <laughs> it goes everywhere with me pretty much. I mean what I love about the database too is it helps me determine uh, reading order, especially for the, for the storylines that cross over into the different titles because it's always like trying to figure out, all right, am I, am I, am I jumping to a web of issue or a spectacular issue? And you know, so that, that always becomes like my go-to, especially if I'm like, again, preparing a post for the website or something. I, I, I'm like, okay, let me just double check this first, make sure I'm tackling these issues in the right way. So another um, listener named Brennan uh, asks you the question, do you know what inspired the creation of Spider-Fan? Um, well, I mean, you'd have to ask Jonathan to be sure. He's the creator. He's the one who created it so many years ago. I really think that in the early 90s, there, was a, there wasn't a site like this. There wasn't a, Spider fan web, a, a Spider-Man website that um, was really as extensive as as Spider Fan is, and I think there was just a need for something like that. And I know that Jonathan, living in New Zealand, it's it's not as easy. You don't just go to the grocery store or the comic book store and pick up a new issue. It's 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 harder overseas in certain areas um, to get Spider Man or just comic books in general. I know that he said that when he first started reading, all he did was read you know black and white um, trades, and so. Uh, I think for him, it was a passion to collect Spider-Man. It just, it's whenever it's, it's harder to accomplish. It just gives you more of a passion to do something. And I know that he has a huge passion for Spider-Man and for this website. And so I guess that's part of the reason why he decided to create it and why it still exists today. I think one of my, one of my favorite anecdotes, and I think this was, this is in one of the pages on your website and like an about us page or something. It's the fact that I guess like in the, um, in the nineties, Marvel was actually seeking out like, like, official fans, uh, character fan sites. And they had asked spider fan to join it, um, per the legend. And, and they decided to remain independent because I guess this, the, those that joined the, um, the official Marvel pages became very highly regulated. And, you know, obviously, you know, that was a really good decision for spider fan, not because, you know, the regulations are bad or whatever. I mean, you can say whatever you want about that, but the fact is that, you know, I feel like Spider-Fan was able to kind of maintain its consistency and its, its integrity in terms of just being able to, to write the reviews it, it does and the way it does it without having to worry about, you know, big Marvel brother <laughs> being okay yeah. with what they were yeah. writing. So that's, I mean, I, 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 when I saw that one time when I was cruising the site, I, I, that was like, I was like, what, you know, what, 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 how serendipitous that, that, you know, I guess less, I don't want to say less greedy, but that, you know, that, you know, the idea for independence maintained itself because I'm sure Marvel probably made it, you know, made it worth it in terms of exposure and, and, and being synchronized and with, with the main, with the main site. But, um, anyway, I just, I just really enjoyed that. (laughs) You see lots of instances through some of the different letters to the editor and letters to the staff and stuff where people have tried to, 
you know, commercialize, uh, sell advertisement to the site. And Jonathan stayed really true to the fact that this is a nonprofit site. We don't have any ads or anything on it. So, you know, tried to just keep it as, you know, true to the, to the, just the bare bones of what it is. And so not taking on, not trying to commercialize it in any way, not trying to make money off of the, you know, the, the 50 some staff writers that he have that we, we all just do this out of love and not for any type of financial gain or, so, I mean, there's a lot of, also, if you read through some of the old, uh, to the staff letters, you'll find that lots of people, and I mean, lots and lots of people over the years have asked, have, have emailed Jonathan or one of the staff members for the formula for, for, for web formula. I mean, that is like a recurring theme on Spider-Fan that tons of people want to know how to, how to make web for their web shooters. <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think every time that Jonathan gets an email for that, he posts it just because it's just this recurring theme of, Everyone wants to know how they can web swing around town. Why, why do they presume that he knows? Does he have like a, a, like there a, a tall tale of him swinging around town? <laughs> no, I think what it was is that if back in the day, if you were to type Spider-Man into a, uh, a web engine, this site would come up. And so people thought this was like the official Spider-Man site and any Spider-Man question anybody – um, even though it says unofficial right on the front of it, any question anyone has about Spider-Man, whether it be, can I use Spider-Man for this or up to inane stuff like, um, how do I find a Spider-Man costume? How do I make a Spider-Man costume? How do I make web fluid? All goes to this website, or at least did in the nineties, whenever there was not that many websites around. So <laughs> kind I, of, I, kind of fun. And they're all still on the site. You can actually read through them. A lot of it is, is quite humorous. As, as someone who oversees the email account for, for uh, a corporate company, I can attest to this. Some of the emails we get <laughs> in terms of mistaken identity are crazy. So I, 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 can, I can now – now that you mentioned that, especially the fact like you said I – mean, I mean how did I find Spider-Fan? It was – like you said, it was probably just a Google search looking for something for Spider-Man and, and I stumbled on it. You know, And, that's, and then you know, the legend began. Um, so that, that, that's, that's really awesome. <laughs> Moving on, um, Tyler, we're curious. Uh, we're, we, we are going to have a discussion like we normally do about some older issues, some ba- favorite back issues. And every time we have a guest on, our plan is to ask them about one of their favorite underappreciated arcs in Spider-Man history. So we're curious, Tyler, is there an underappreciated Spider-Man arc that you want to talk about today? Well, when I was looking, I was really racking my brain trying to think of an underappreciated arc because it seems like my favorite arcs are the ones that everyone appreciates. And so one particular era that I had thought about that not a lot of people talk about and seems pretty underappreciated is like that two-year period from after the Clone Saga to like the start of the 99 reboot. There was this really, in my opinion, fertile ground of like Spider-Man stories on all four titles. Uh, but I think that the, the title that was the best in that period was spectacular. Um, um, J.M. DiMatteis was actually in charge of spectacular at that time. He took over 
um, right at the end of the Clone Saga. He wrote the, supposed, the first um, post-Revelation Spectacular issue. And he had done Spectacular in the past and oh, was really good. I mean, they, he tackled some great stuff. Um, the Death of Harry Osborn and The Child Within. There's a lot of great stuff, but I actually kind of prefer this particular little two-year run, and it may just be nostalgia because I was buying them off the rack at this point, and I always just look back on this era as like a really neat era. Um, Luke Ross was doing the pencils, which in retrospect is maybe hasn't aged the best, but at the time, as like a 13-year-old boy, it was just awesome. Um, all the, the women were like, big breasted and you had this this spider-man that was kind of a cross between um like the mcfarland spider-man and the ramita spider-man he kind of did the, the crazy poses but then he was also kind of the particular the classic spider-man that we kind of grew up with um a particular arc out of that era i think um which I don't know if it has like a specific name. I call it the return of Norman Osborn. I think on Spider Fan, they call it like um, Evil Incarnate or something, which you look through all three issues and it never says that, so I'm not sure where you got that at. But uh, 248 through 250, um, Norman Osborn was. came out to be like the mastermind behind the Clone Saga, which is kind of a cop out. And a lot of people were upset not only that Ben Riley died and turned to dust, but Norman Osborn came back from the dead after what was it, 20, 30 years of, about 20 years of being dead, or supposedly being dead. Um, and then, like, the the eight months following the end of the Clone Saga, no one said anything. But there were slight mentions of Ben Riley and Baby May, but, like, no one said anything about Norman Osborn. And it was kind of strange, in my opinion. And then all of a sudden, um, Spectacular Spider-Man number 248 came along, which was actually an issue that didn't talk anything about Norman Osborn. It talked about... Uh, um, John Jameson's man wolf problems and uh, the the new Jack O' Lantern and uh, Flash Thompson and his problems with alcohol and at the very end we find out that uh, the new Jack O' Lantern which had just beaten up J Jonah Jameson and left him in the hospital um, was being paid by someone he didn't do this on his own and it turns out that was Norman Osborn which was this big revelation I guess at the time because. I, <sighs> Maybe one of the big revelation. Whenever I was a kid, I mean, that was startling to me. You know, I thought they had totally, I thought they were just kind of sweeping all of the Norman Osborn stuff under the rug. And so it was cool to see him back. And then he turned around, he bought the Daily Bugle basically to clear his name because I guess everyone, uh, uh, Ben Urich at the time had released this book that had outed him as the Green Goblin. So he was trying to clear his name. And then 250 is the one that I really like to focus on because that's just one of my favorite issues. It just kind of shows the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn as this new character, basically. I mean, in the past, he had always been this this crazy goblin person, but he would only be in these fits as being a crazy goblin. And then the other times, he would just be regular Norman Osborn. And then all of a sudden, he'd go crazy, and he would kill Gwen Stacy. And he would do this crazy stuff, and then he would, like, hit his head, and he'd be like, oh, I'm regular Norman Osborn. But now he's, like, this terrible, horrible, evil, maniacal villain who is using all his power and his wealth to just make Peter's life miserable. And this was kind of the start of that, and it was kind of how the character kind of resumed from here on out, is that he was just, he was always the Green Goblin, and he always had these plans in which, being Norman Osborn, he would, you know, uh, make... Peter's life miserable, and then as the Green Goblin, he would fight him. Um, in this particular issue, he just tortured Peter, who was already very upset. And I think um, JMD did a great job of 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 
harking back to the the revelations which had happened like nine ten months earlier and uh peter basically just at the end just snaps and just absolutely just beats the crap out of norman and norman had a plan where he was going to torture peter and then make peter snap and then get it all on camera so that everyone would hate spider-man and so that's that's basically the, the premise of that little three issue arc it's a it's it's an interesting one. I mean, I I I mean to be honest, I did not read this in real time, and it wasn't until you mentioned it that I went out and saw some of the issues to to, to look at. And um, you know, it's it's funny. You know, you you kind of you praise the use of of Norman and you know and, and his return, and and you know, for me, this was a, this is like always kind of one of my bigger gripes with um with Norman Osborn circa you know, 90s onward is is how he kind of went from this Spidey-centric nemesis to almost, you know, almost like this Lex Luthor-style, you know, industrialist, uh, you know, taking over the world guy. And, 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 you know, and you can kind of see the early manipulations in these comics in terms of, you know, his ability to basically plan everything out. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's I mean... It's a comic book, so you suspend disbelief anyway. But it, it kind of like stretches, I think, some of the credibility for me. But I mean, I, I just also have very specific um, opinions about this. I mean, Osborne was always one of those characters I felt probably should have stayed dead for various reasons. But you know, I, this, this is this is why it's good to have different viewpoints on this show, right, Dan? Because I would ne- I would never have picked this 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 run out. Um, and you know, and I was glad I got to read it, read it really for the first time, uh, per Tyler's recommendation of it. Yeah, and I, I actually um, am. I can see both sides of the the Norman Osborn debate about bringing him back, but I've always kind of liked. I mean, I like both characterizations of him, but I think this uh, characterization of Osborn is my favorite, where his like he is, you know, like using his full faculty, like you said, Tyler. And um, you can really see it in this these three comic these issues um, that his influence is like so corruptive. Like he puts pressure on everyone around him, and it's interesting to see the entire supporting cast like almost like buckles under the weight of Norman Osborn and how he's able to get into all of their lives. Particularly knowing like Peter's secret, you know that was uh, a special thing that Osborn had, and it was nice to have a villain that really came back and like was so, like, gung-ho on, like, holding that over Peter. Um, and I think it's always been a fun thing to read. And something that I've kind of missed recently in comics is the... It's one of the things I wish they hadn't have uh, unwritten in uh, Brand New Day is the fact that he knows who he is. I, I've always loved that the most about the Goblin um, is is his knowledge. And, and it was fun to re- go back, because I haven't read this in several years, so it was fun to go back and take a look at it again and and see that characterization here. And I think JMD actually, I mean, one of the things that I noticed when reading this art, cause I hadn't read it in a while either and just kind of picked it cause I remember it being one of my favorites. And so I reread it. And I think just one of the things after having read just about everything that Dave has, has written of Spider-Man, um, I just have noticed that he, I think he was the best writer who has ever written a married Spider-Man. And I think this arc kind of shows that, but I think everything he's done from, from Craven's Last Taunt to um, like the death of Harry Osborn, which is I think is similar to this arc, and that you know Peter Norman knows Peter's identity, and he's going to he knows he's going to try to torture his family 
he's going to try to torture Mary Jane. And at the time of this arc, um, Aunt Anna um, Watson was living with them. And it was kind of the same way when Harry was, was kind of torturing them and living next door to them or however that was during the death of Harry Osborne. And it feels very similar to that, um, how Peter is like at the end of his rope. He was at the end of his rope with Harry because Harry was threatening Mary Jane and, you know, this is it. You know, we're done with this. And he kind of feels the same way here. He wrecks their apartment and then he goes back to Norman's apartment. He says, this is it. You know, I'm not going to let you destroy my family just because you know my secret identity. And I think that having Mary Jane is kind of, I don't, I don't think she's just kind of this, this, I don't, she, she's, JMD writes writes her better, I think. He writes her as a wife rather than just some damsel in distress is how I feel. I think, I think he writes all of the supporting cast great. I mean – What's really interesting is they're all here. I mean not only do we see Flash Thompson, we see Betty, we see uh, Normie, we see John Jameson, we see Craven the Hunter. I mean it's like these are loaded – with a world that feels very alive. It doesn't feel episodic. It's like anything could happen at any time from any direction for Spider-Man in these issues. And all the same, it doesn't get bogged down. And I mean, that's uh, to me, that's always JMD's greatest strength is nothing gets bogged down. It doesn't get overly complicated. I mean, it just transitions, you know, like a movie, it goes, you know, a, like, you know, not episodic, um, you know, it just, you know, cut, cut here, cut there, cut here. And, and, and you know, I, you know, that was like my biggest takeaway from from just a sheer craft and writing standpoint was just how all of these little stories were 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 wove you know wove together and and, and in a way where you cared about all these characters. Even reading it out of like context, uh, you know, just pulling these three issues out, it was fun to just dive right into that world, um, and I could see like while there's a lot to follow and keep up with. Somebody just picking these up and having a good time, like trying to figure out how this world works. Makes you want to keep reading, doesn't it? Yeah, it I mean, totally this, does. This was a good era. It was a really good era. I mean, it was just, it was just, I, I really enjoyed it. I have a lot of nostalgic thoughts about this little two. And I also like what DeFalco was doing and amazing at the time. It's just kind of just this two year period because the reboot was awful. And then Mackie took over and it was just awful in my opinion. And then before that, you had the Clone Saga, which had gotten just so convoluted and it was just almost unreadable towards the end. And then you had this this two-year breathing period where there were some more whimsical stories. This arc wasn't one. I mean, it was kind of heavy. But you had some different things, like Demetrius invented the Legion of Losers, which was like Grizzly and Gibbon and the Spot. And it was just – there was some different things going on. It was kind of a breather because even before the Clone Saga, you had like the I Am the Spider stuff going on and amazing. And it was just really – it was just kind of dark and heavy, and so this was a breath of fresh air. And then you just had awful writing from Mackie for a while before JMS took over, and then I guess we all know where it went from there. So, right. so I really like this 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 two year period. This is some something that's kind of dear to my heart. Maybe it's nostalgia talking, but I thought it was some really good writing, especially from JMD. At just the time. a quick a, a quick historical question. Um, so was this around the period where – was this the first instance where we heard – where we saw Flash Thompson's alcoholism? I think so because uh, a bit of trivia I guess is that in this era, um, Demetrius wrote Flash's dad as an alcoholic. Whereas in earlier issues when I – maybe an issue or two earlier when Flash's dad had been um, brought up, he was just this. I mean, he was this jock. He was in in no way an alcoholic, and so I think a little bit of a continuity lapse as far as JMD goes. But I think 
as far as I know, this is the first we'd ever seen this, uh, with Flash with any type of trouble with alcohol. And obviously it would carry on for the next few years. And even still today, it's like what mostly what Venom is about. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Well, especially not a Reminder. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, no. Tyler, thanks for uh, bringing those ones to our attention. into our iTunes reviews from you, the listeners. So uh, first up, uh, if you go on iTunes and you uh, subscribe to our podcast, we really would appreciate it if you guys would leave us a review and a rating on the site so that we can help spread the word about our podcast to everyone. And if you do, we're going to read them like we are now on the show. So our first uh, comment comes from Geonon, who the title of it is Superior to all other Spidey podcasts. And he says, It's an all-around great podcast. Not a lot of dead air or awkward ums. Usually podcasts mm. will get scripted if smooth. And this doesn't sound scripted either. We can assure you that it's not. Um, there aren't drastic segs or, or subject changes. But subject matter is awesome. We agree. Uh, and if you're a Spidey fan, it's a must-listen. I felt like I was part of the conversation. I don't have many friends my age, 33. I don't know if he wants us to reveal that. Um, that still collect comics, and this satisfies my urge to discuss the issues deeper. I'm very excited and anxious for more episodes, and I hope it continues after each issue or some regular release format. So, End scene. Oh, wait, sorry. We're not scripting this. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, Gionan. And Mark, stop revealing the uh, strings here. There is no man behind the curtain. I'll read the second review we got because it's like two lines. Yeah. I'm good at I'm good at reading two lines. Um, it's from Sean J. Mom. Subject is keep them coming, and it's best Spidey podcast ever. Quadruple exclamation point, which must mean he's excited, and I or she uh, shouldn't shouldn't assume gender here. Um, and and we're, we're glad you think so. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're coming to the end of the show. So before we go, um, I want to ask you, Tyler and Mark, where we can find more of your work online. So, Tyler, where can uh, people follow you and find all the stuff you've been writing? Well, other than spiderfan.org, I also write uh, – have my own blog, and uh, it is Tyler B. G-O-O-D-E, good, at um, wordpress.com, and then Tyler B. Good with an E at the end just like the WordPress account is my Twitter. And I also write um, every once in a while for JustPressPlay.net, which is like a movie and music review site. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming. All right. Yeah, thank Tyler. you so much. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, Tyler, thank you. I mean, it, it means a lot. And, um, and you know, once again, I'm Mark Anakio. You can find me a couple different places. I'm at... Uh, chase, www.chasingamazingblog.com You can follow me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog um, You could also like my uh, Facebook page, which uh, I, I launched in the last couple of months. That's Chasing Amazing on Facebook. Um, in case of other places around the interwebs, you can find me contributing uh, pretty much weekly over at the Comics Should Be Good blog. I do the Gimmick or Good column there. 
Um, and uh, also, I am contributing some pieces to uh, longboxgraveyard.com and to sequart.org, which is a another comic book website that kind of looks at some of the higher themes of comic books uh, in terms of sequential art. And uh, and over to you, Dan. Sorry, I didn't mean to babble. No, uh, you're you're writing like a Russian novel of things that you're writing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, again, I'm Dan Gavazdan, and you can follow me at at Dan Gavazdan on Twitter, and you can uh, read my blog, uh, my movie blog, GrindMyReels.com, um, and that's about it for me. So you can still, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.Podomatic.com, or find us on iTunes by searching Superior Spider Talk, and if you do, please leave a rating and comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. You should also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk to keep up with us. And if you have any opinions on these comics or any questions, email them to us at superior spider talk at gmail.com and we'll address them and read them on the air. So I hope you guys had a good time and we'll see you next time. 